Hello and thanks for listening. If you couldn't already tell, this is part one of what will end up being a two-part podcast. I have two friends on the podcast to discuss A24 and to do a bracket that we made. If you want to follow along in the bracket or fill out your own, you can find a link to it in the show notes for this podcast. Anyway, let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Robert's Thoughts Movie Cast. My name is Robert Buffard, and today I am joined by two Sif Pop friends. Uh, one is Shane Canto. Shane, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Robert. Is there anything you'd like to plug or send people to real quick? Real quick. Um, so go to my <laughs> YouTube channel. I have a bunch of different kinds of content on there. If I, there's social media, I probably have it. It's all the Wasteland Reviewer, Wasteland Shane. Branding. It's all about branding. And sure you probably is. see a lot of things on Sif Pop and a lot of things on Scribe Magazine. So, condense, boom, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. I'll link. Uh, I'll link some some stuff in the description so people can find it if they forgot <laughs> or didn't know how to do it. Anyway, uh, and my other guest is Foster Harlfinger. Uh, Foster, this is your second time coming on. Thanks for thanks for joining. Thank you for having me back for a second time. Yes. Um, Anywhere you'd like to send people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Twitter, Letterboxd, both of those are F-O-S-T-H-1-0-1, but really mostly just Letterboxd. Awesome. Yeah, so the three of us are here today to talk about A24. We are going to be doing a bracket, March Madness style. It's not 64 movies, it's 40 movies, four regions of 10 movies each, but we're still doing uh, this full bracket now. We're going we're gonna to pick a winner. It's not going to be what the best one is, just like March Madness doesn't pick the best team, but it will do, it will accomplish something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some un- undecided nebulous term, um, but I'm excited to get into it. The way that we did this and determined seeds was each of the three of us ranked all of the A24 movies that we had seen, and I did a preferential ballot system. I think... I had seen 72, Shane had seen 70, Foster had seen 50-something. So yeah, yeah, each one got just, number just one. Just 58. Got, yeah, only, come on. Embarrassing, you know, how few I've seen. Wow, Foster. <laughs> I know. Do better I know. next time. No. Um, <laughs> number one got 70 points, number two, 69, and so on. Uh, but we went with just the top 40. Um, and there were a couple ties, and in those cases, for example... Hereditary and Uncut Gems each had 185 total points. And the way I broke that tie was that Foster had Hereditary at his number one. So that was uh, the highest that either one of them was on a list. So that got the higher seed. Um, And then before uh, we get into each of the movies that are on here and each of the matchups, I want to note a few notable, about a dozen notable A24 movies that aren't going to be on this bracket. And uh, this just shows that it's a bracket made by three people with our own distinct <laughs> tastes. And it's not meant to be uh, it's not meant to be an all encompassing a 24 bracket. If it was, that'd be fun, but that's for another time. Um, so the disaster artist under the skin enemy killing of a sacred deer high life after Yang under the silver lake climax, mid nineties, most violent year spectacular. Now American honey, Spring Breakers and The Bling Ring are all being left off of here. Some of those are more divisive than others, but there are a couple on there, namely 
climax or uh, enemy or uh, the disaster artist that I'm sure people would be like, why isn't that on here? But yeah, wh- why why is Under the Skin not on there, Robert? Because that was number 72 out of 72 for me. <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. <laughs> I did not enjoy watching that movie and I have no desire to watch it again or to <laughs> discuss it too deeply. It's a shame. This this whole yeah. this whole bracket is a sham. <laughs> if I have one thing to say about any of those honorable mentions, if you ever wanted to feel like the purest form of anxiety and feel like you're going completely insane, sit and watch Climax. Climax. Yeah, I, I knew what movie you were going for even before you said it. <laughs> and if you don't, then don't watch it because that's exactly what it's going to do to you. I per- I purposely put off watching that movie and to give it a fair shake because I knew we were doing this bracket and cuz I knew how much Foster liked it I uh <laughs> I gave it a try. Sorry. Um, no, 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 it's not it's not like I'm upset <laughs> or angry that I watched it. It's just like I got to the end of it and I'm like we did all that just to just for just for this point. Yeah, about, for what purpose? You know, I get it, bodily autonomy, and it makes sense. But did we have to really go into all that? Like, I'm not, I'm not disparaging the the ideas uh, explored. I am disparaging the way they were explored, though. Okay. Um, I've never been intoxicated, but now I never want to be, even <laughs> yeah. if I did before. <laughs> oh my god, that movie! Show hey. that to all of your like preteens and teenagers, and then they're not going to go to you know any alcohol-filled parties or drug-filled parties. Anyway, let's get into <laughs> let's let's get into the bracket because we have 40 movies which is 20 matchups just in the first round. If we want to get through this whole bracket, we better get started. <laughs> yes. 6 minutes into the podcast. Um I'll name the matchups as we go through them. So just not to hear people or hear me drone on and say movie title after movie title um like i said we have four regions i just named them the west north south and east um and we will start with the west region and the play-in game or play-in matchup which is the eight and the nine seed lamb which is an eight seed and saint Maud, which is a nine seed oh and the way that this will go is that we'll discuss them and then once we're done discussing we'll each vote and whichever movie gets two votes, we'll move on to the next round. I guess my quick two cents about both of them. St. Maud was one movie that I was waiting for a long time throughout COVID. Because I was actually very yeah. excited about that. And then I'm like, when the hell is this coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, it is deeply disturbing. Like, I'm probably going to say about 90% of these movies. I know. Um, the podcast, but, like, the way that it deals with religion and faith and just pure intensity into things it's very unnerving and like mm-hmm. such a strange movie it's like 90 percent of it is a struggling family drama and a mother really trying to connect with their child who just happens to be half lamb <laughs> and then 10 percent of the movie just shows off exactly what you probably expected this movie to be and you're just like what the f is this yeah and then it's over, and then you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> so, and that's how I felt after watching both of these movies. <laughs> I actually, 
really enjoy both of these in a weird way. And yeah. <laughs> we're starting off on a tough matchup because there are some of these matchups that I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm voting for right away. But I, I don't even have my mind made up for these two because I just watched St. Maud for the first time like a week ago. And uh, I really, really ended up loving it. Like you yeah, mentioned, it has. Right? <laughs> it's not fun, no, but not. it has really interesting ideas. And I really like the way that it goes about it. Yeah. Um, and someone, and as someone who w- was brought up in a religious background and who's not uh, that kind of person anymore, I can definitely relate to her mindset. And uh, I know a lot of people who have a lot of the same motivations that the character of Maud has. Um, so not only does it explore religion, but it explores like the mindset that religion has uh, puts into people and in the things that it makes them do. Um, and I think the interpretation that I ended up coming out with with Lamb was that this is about pets, <laughs> um, like taking like domesticating animals, because I don't want for some of the newer ones, I don't want to spoil it too much. But by the end, I think my interpretation was that it's very anti domesticating animals. Um, and it's a very shocking image <laughs> at the end. And I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it again because it came out just recently. But uh, yeah, both of these have very shocking and very, uh, I don't know what other adjective, very adjective endings that will stick with you. Yeah. Um, for me, and then I'll vote at the end of this. Uh, I am not to be trusted on Lamb because when I watched this in the theater, I had to pee more than I've ever had to pee at any movie I've ever been to in my life. And I kept sitting there thinking something's about to happen. I'm sure of it. And really nothing happened. I kept having to pee. And so I just sat there in misery for two hours and I've never had the desire to go back to it. But I'm I'm sure it's wonderful. I, um, it looks very nice. I'll really say cool. that. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing at that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saint Maud also very unpleasant for different reasons, but uh, I what what seals the deal for me for Saint Maud and why I'm going to vote for it is the the ending, like mm-hmm. both the last like 20 minutes, but also just the final shot too. It's just stuck in my brain for a long time, uh, even though it's not my favorite A24 movie. It's stuck with me longer yeah. than most of them, so that's going to be my vote. Yeah, um, and I want to say, even though you already voted. You don't need to vote by what's highest on your rankings. You don't need to vote by a certain criteria. Just whatever feels right to you at that moment, um, vote for it. So it's really up to you. I'm not setting any particular criteria. Um, Shane, why don't you vote next? And we'll see if I have to break a tie or if we can just move on. You do, because I'm voting Lamb. Okay. Um, Any particular reason? That movie really moved me in a lot of ways mm. and also unnerved me in a lot of ways and that's a hard thing to balance yeah. and that poor sheep mom all i'm gonna say yeah yeah you're 100 right um lame was actually an interesting theater going experience for me too because i watched it really enjoyed it had a lot of thoughts on it then when i left my car was dead um and i went to see it at a like the small indie theater that's like 15 minutes from my house and uh, I had to walk back in after the doors were already locked and I knocked on the window and a very kind theater employee came out and jumped my car. And uh, so it's always going to be memorable for, memorable for that reason. Um, I, I got a screener for it. So I actually watched that at home and not everybody who was watching it had the same kind of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you must have had the best uh, experience, like 
practical <laughs> practically yeah. i think you had the best experience shane <laughs> but to break the tie oh man i still don't know what i want to go with but for the sake of time and i'm going to go with i don't know what's about to come out of my mouth i'm gonna go with saint mod uh Oof. i can relate to that one more and i think i like what it's saying more than than lamb even though i really do like lamb a lot so Saint Maud is going on, and it will face Ex Machina in its next round or its next matchup. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't think it's going to be a Saint Maud sweep. Um, <laughs> the next matchup, the next play-in matchup, is the Farewell, which is a seven seed, and a Ghost Story, which is a ten seed. Yeah, I actually just rewatched. I rewatched a lot of these for. This You've watched about 20 movies in the past five hours. <laughs> that's, that's how yeah. it feels when I look at your feed <laughs> on Letterboxd. I I had a lot on in the background in the last couple of days. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I rewatched A Ghost Story for this, and I found myself liking it a lot more than the first time that I saw it. And I really liked it the first time that I saw it. Um, it has these existential questions about relationships and what's going to last and what's important in life done in the way that only David Lowry can do it. And in my letterbox review just now, I put a 24s interstellar because uh, it felt a lot more like interstellar than I ever remembered. Um, yeah. And the farewell, I like the farewell a lot as well. I, I just haven't gone back to that since I saw it in theaters a couple of years ago, though I do like what it has to say. Like there's, I think there's three different one, movies on this bracket that are going to be, uh, Asian American experiences and getting at that very specific uh, type of person and type of experience. And I really do like the way that they use that bird as a motif in The Farewell where it's there in America and it's there in China. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot to like about both these movies. Foster? Yeah, so I, I like both of these. I like both of these movies too. Um, for Farewell, I would say the most interesting thing about it to me is just the difference between how like we in America versus like uh, in China, which is where I think the majority of this takes place. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like we have a more individualistic culture where it's like more so about finding your own personal identity, you know, as an individual um, versus in China, it seems like to me from what I can gather, uh, it's a lot more about the family unit and about the community. Um, and I think mm -hmm. seeing that conflict is just really interesting to me. Um, and I thought it was explored really well. I thought Aquafina was great. I loved her relationship with her grandmother and I found it super moving. Yeah. Um, Ghost Story, I also really like. It's been a li little bit longer since I've seen that one. That one to me is more of like an experience movie. Right? Yeah, I don't think you're yeah, watching yeah. it for like the plot necessarily to see Rooney Mara eating a pie for five minutes, but um, it's definitely like, like a transfixing movie and it's beautiful. It's like one of those every frame and painting type movies. Um, right. So mm -hmm. I like them both. Shane. <laughs> I'm just remembering the night that I saw a ghost story double featured with the emoji movie. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I left the theater being like, what the hell did I do to myself tonight? And a ghost story was one of those things where I sat and watched in the theater. I'm like, okay, I could appreciate like how it looked and stuff like that. But I'm like, what the hell was this? Mm. And then I haven't watched it again since. Except it's yeah. one of those kinds of things that just crawls in your head. I'm like, why can't I not stop thinking about this movie yeah. five years later? 
And it still is. And I still think about it periodically and want to give it another watch. And it's one of those kinds of things. And I have a great appreciation for David Lowry and definitely going to be talking and gushing about one of his other films on here. Um, But like the farewell though, moved me so deeply and nine, I for the win. Like the (laughs) fact that she did not win best supporting actress is a travesty. She She was in the the conversation for a minute. Wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And just one of the greatest grandma characters ever. I love her so much. And Aquafina was great. And I do think as somebody who values individual um, perspectives and also being from an Italian American family where it's like all about your family. And it's just like, this really spoke to me on a deep level too. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, tell this woman. And, but like feeling how that film played out it just that one really stuck with me i think i've watched that one like three times at this point because i own that as Mm -hmm. of right now and i've watched it a couple times since i bought it when it came out uh but i still haven't gone back to it um shane what's your vote then do you have a vote i think it's pretty obvious the farewell for me yeah um i'm definitely going with a ghost story for this one especially after my rewatch today so foster yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna break the tie. I'm going with the, well, whatever I go breaks the tie. Right. Um, I'm gonna go with the farewell. <laughs> okay. Um, also got a great score too. I forgot to mention that I listen to the score for that all the time. Nice. I don't even remember to be honest. The score. I'll have to go back and listen. Look to up. That. Look up the track called Umbrellas. It's 45 seconds and it's one of the coolest things ever. Will do. I'll probably uh, be reminded when I'm editing this tomorrow or whatever. Um, there you go. I will say also a ghost story has a great score though. Uh, hmm. It's very unique. So that means the farewell moves on to face the end of the tour in its next matchup, which will bring us to the South region in which the last black man in San Francisco, the eight seed takes on good time, the nine seed. Um, and how about this Go- going forward? Let's just do a quick conversation on each movie. Um, so it's not each of us giving a quick soliloquy. Uh, okay. um about the two um let's start with the last black man since this is a higher higher seed this is one that i heard a lot about uh for a while um and then i finally watched it about a month ago and it wasn't i don't know what i was expecting but it wasn't what i was expecting though that is the case in a good way i think jimmy fails the main character uh john jonathan majors is also the main character but i think jimmy fails is the mainer character um, he is really, really good, and I'd love to see him in a lot more stuff. Um, I love the way that it emphasizes art and the way that it uses that as a vehicle to say other stuff about masculinity, race, and holding on to lies and uh, mistruths that you know deep down are false to make yourself feel better. I remember seeing this film at one of the indie theaters around me when I still lived up in Lawrenceville, and I walked out of that theater thinking this was one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like just the art direction and the cinematography and the two lead performances are fantastic. And I recall writing a review for this for Sif Pop and I don't think Blake appreciated my waxing poetic about it. <laughs> that the whole entire thing. It was a different I'll have time. to go back then. and read it. I like this really moved me in a lot of different ways. And I just felt 
emotionally affected walking out of that theater. And sometimes I can't completely under like articulate exactly what it was, but this just has like a feel to it and is very moving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more of an experienced person than a themes person where I feel like mm-hmm. you, Robert, especially are a big themes person. So that's yeah. going to, I think be like the distinguishing feature between a lot of these, but so for me, what stands out is just the, on a technical level, I think all A24 movies for the most part look amazing and have this kind of nice artsy feel to them. But I think this mm-hmm. one's even a cut above, like just the way it's shot is so cool. Like there's a lot of, there's interesting slow-mo. There's there's really cool. There's one shot where he's like skateboarding down this street and it's like this, uh, the, the plane is flattened basically. And so you see the bridge behind him. I'm describing it not well, but... Yeah, I, I just love the way this movie looks. This is one I watched for the first time like a week ago. Didn't quite live up to my expectations in general, but visually, I agree with you, Shane. It's amazing. I also love Jonathan Majors. So that's mm-hmm. about all I have to say. Was the sequence you're talking about towards the beginning? Yep, I think so. Yeah, I remember. That was one I was thinking of too, where it's yeah. just like, there's a couple skateboarding sequences like where it's almost how in the world did they capture this? Because yeah. it's just so incredible. Um Good Time is a very different movie than The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, and it's also one that I didn't quite appreciate until a rewatch. And uh, I still don't love the Safties uh, whole, I don't know, whole thing, their whole feel when it's just like, especially in this one. I've only seen this in Uncut Gems. I know they have others. But like they do the anxiety, the the uh, overbearing your senses thing in both uncut gems and good time it works a little bit less for me in this one but i really like what it's saying about you know uh family and trying to get them out of places where you think are harmful but also going about that in the wrong ways um and about how those places may have harmful but also beneficial elements to them um this is the best performance of both benny safty and robert pattinson in my opinion i this feels like a fever dream. Like, oh my God. And it's that exact aesthetic that the Safety brothers are going for. It's just like, this is nonstop, just like an adrenaline rush of just like, I don't know exactly what the hell's going on here because this is just like the, one of the strangest narratives, just all the strangest things that this is like, this is like, um, I feel like, after hours on acid yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically and robert pattinson this was i think one of the first movies where i'm like oh my god this man can act mm-hmm. and it's just like and it's impressive and it is one of those good all in one night movies like after hours mm-hmm. or in yeah. 24 hours whatever yep i don't have much to add it's anxiety the movie robert pattinson's great um it's not necessarily one i'm gonna rewatch a ton i've only watched it once and i i I've been meaning to rewatch it actually. Um, yeah, I liked Uncut Gems a bit more than this, as far as the Safties go. Just it's a, it's a bit less unpleasant. Maybe just because it's Adam Sandler. I don't know. Like that, that's got to be part of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so it's unpleasant, but that's kind of the point, <laughs> right? Um, so there you go. Yeah, we'll get to un- Uncut Gems more in detail for sure. Um, yeah, I watched this one good time a couple years ago because ben davis all of our friend from sif pop he kept recommending it to me then i finally watched it 
And I, like I said, I didn't really love it, but the rewatch definitely helped. Mm-hmm. I'll vote first this time. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with Good Time, even though I do like Last Black Man a lot. Foster? I have these smack next to each other on my ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I probably like Good Time a little bit more, my heart is telling me to do Last Black Man in San Francisco. I just feel like it's saying more. It feels more personal to me. This is good yeah. audio so far because we're getting tiebreakers every time. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh, good time. Good so time. There you go. This is going to be quite the matchup in the next round because good time is going to go up against eighth grade. Um, <laughs> so we'll, oh my. Wow. So we'll see how that goes down. Next, we have the lobster, the seven seed, and first cow, the 10 seed. Um, Shane, what do you think about the lobster? I am such a fan of Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> and there's just something on his frequency that just clicks with me. And mm. I 100% it's that complete, dry, like the driest humor possible. And I feel like Colin Farrell really finds his groove in this movie. And between him and like John C. Riley, Rachel Weiss, even Olivia Coleman. Who just pops yeah. up at the beginning of the movie? It's like, what kind of animal are you think? You're like, lobster. Good choice. And <laughs> like, I have to admit, this movie definitely loses me in like the second half of the movie. I feel like yeah, the concept sure. and the idea was so strong in the beginning, and it slowly lost me throughout. But like, this is such a great idea and such a game cast and such a weird movie. And I can't help but love it. So there you go. I also want to mention, uh, as for the cast, Ben Wishaw is in this. Yes. I love Ben yes. Wishaw and everything. I Though also love Ben Wishaw. It never makes me happy when he's like a, a sad or a depressed character, like like in this or in Cloud Atlas. It's like, no, oh, be happy. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, he's so good in that. I, man, I don't, you know, his the role he's known for, of course. Um, okay, I also love the lobster. I think it's so good. Um, I, uh, yeah, like you're saying, Shane, there's just not really anything quite like this. Um, I, I think that the originality points definitely bump it up for me. Even though I agree, it loses me a little bit in the second half. But um, this is one of those movies where, the, because there's literally no other movie like this. It's the only movie that fulfills this like niche little feeling that I that I yeah. get sometimes. So I'm, de- it's one I'm definitely going to be returning to forever, um, for that reason. Um, and yeah, for that reason, I love it. I it might be my favorite Colin Farrell performance? Question mark because I feel like he's kind of amazing, but um, I love him in this. Colin Farrell is incredible that he goes like from this to In Bruges, which is like the most manic and yeah. Uh, he said he. Uh, his emotions are all external, where whereas this one's all internal. It's just like he's so good. Um, yeah, even goes a step further in killing the sacred deer, where it's just like oh, yeah. nobody has outward feelings. No, nobody. <laughs> but he that beard anyway. Um, oh, that beard. I'm I'm pretty much in the same camp as both of you guys for the lobster, where I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it with like a group of people who all can appreciate that incredibly dry, flat humor. Uh, I rewatched this one also. I wish I had written down lines, but there were a lot of really good lines that I just <laughs> was like, that that's really clever. That's really hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you guys covered all of it. I, I just, I think it uh, kind of slowly goes downhill in the second half, though I see the purpose of it. I like the ideas of 
you know, in the hotel, you have to fall in love. In the forest, you're not allowed to fall in love. Those are some, that's an interesting contrast there. I just uh, like the hotel stuff better. As for First Cow, I really don't have a ton to say about it. Um, <laughs> I tried to look back at my letterbox review to remember what I thought. And my letterbox review was, that's the American dream, baby. And uh, <laughs> it does encapsulate the movie. But to me, the movie was just a bit too slow yeah. uh, for me to fully love it. The, I, I think this is a beautiful film. It's a beautifully made film. And God, I want some of those. Like little dumb oh. things. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm so hungry now. <laughs> they look so good. Um, I There were some things about this that I really appreciated. And there was a certain level of subtlety in terms of details and how little things fell together. But in general, like, also, this was one of the first movies that I legit got excited about renting on VOD um during covid because i remember seeing those trailers and really hoping to see it and finally came out i think in like july or august and i think this is a beautiful film and i think it wears its ideas on its sleeve really well yeah like it's like you know what this is about and it becomes very clear what it's about but you know still beautiful yeah I love First Cow, actually. I, I think I heard so many people say how insanely slow it was before I actually watched it that I was primed for it and actually didn't find it anywhere near as unbearable as I feel like it had been made out to be. Um, well, that's yeah, those those donut things, whatever they were making, look incredible. Um, Toby Jones is in this, right? I always love him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I I don't remember it perfectly, but I remember it being bookended in this kind of interesting way, like with this yeah. opening and ending scene. Um, yeah, I just I really liked it. It was just like a nice movie. I can't say I'm going to go back to it very often though, just because it it is slow and it's not. I don't know. It's like feels like there's only like five scenes in this movie, and each one's twenty minutes long. But you know, <laughs> it's like a Tarantino movie. Except a lot less snappy dialogue. It's exactly and... like a Tarantino movie. <laughs> I thought it was him at first, and I was surprised to I learn that, that it wasn't. <laughs> it was like Kelly Reichardt <laughs> to Quentin Tarantino. What's the difference? Uh, mm-hmm. Foster, you're up for a vote. Uh, yeah, the lobster. Okay, Shane. Lobster. Yeah, this is the first unanimous vote. It's the lobster easily for me as well. Um, which go. will bring us to eight and nine seed in North Region. Eight, it comes at night, and nine, green room. Um, we'll start with it comes at night. I don't really have a lot to say about either of these. It comes at night. I watched a couple of months ago for the first time, and uh, it's one of those, like, there's ever, every once in a while, there's one of those movies that, like, I watch it, I have some thoughts about it when I see it, but then, like, I never think about it again. And if I try to remember what I thought about it or what happened, <laughs> not a lot comes back to me. And this is one of those. Um, I know it does the idea of paranoia really well and the feeling of paranoia really well. And there are great performances across the board. I just don't really have, you know, too much else to say about it. This is one of those films that I'm not going to get defensive about it on here, but like, it's one of those kinds of films where it just like upsets me when people's like, nothing came at night. I'm like, paranoia did. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have to say the marketing ruined this movie for probably like ninety nine percent of people. Because like a cool that poster that, though, it does. Yeah, the poster's amazing. So the trailer good. sold a completely different thing, yeah. and it makes me upset that it did. 
because I think this is a striking like on a A24 scale this is like a strikingly beautiful film and haunting to look at and it builds tension and atmosphere so well and has great performances and I love what came at night I felt like it did it so well <laughs> and uh, like that's the thing like I like this probably more than 99% of people so which is probably the main reason why it was ranked this high to begin with I, I think it definitely is. <laughs> I, I, uh, I really like Trey Edward, Trey Edward Schultz as a director. Um, I just prefer mm-hmm. his, you know, family dramas more. Yeah. I watched this last night. Um, I liked it. I, I'm like on the low end of liked it. So I'm not over the moon um, because it is a little bit unsatisfying when, when it is kind of advertised as this crazy horror movie and you, but, but, but I will say like when the movie ended, I was like, wow, maybe I should watch this again because like, I think there are a lot of interesting ideas in there and I do think the acting is really great. Yeah. Like across the board and it's real, real tense too. There's some like, like stressful scenes, especially these uh, nightmare scenes that Kelvin Harrison Jr. Keeps having. There's one where he walks out into the forest because the dog is barking and man, that was that sweating, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's 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 not for me completely, but I, I liked it. Low end of liked it. Nice warning though. Um, there are no zombies in this. Boo! <laughs> That's no. what this trailer sold us. I don't think we'll be able to talk about her again. So I do want to mention her real quick, and that's Riley Keough, uh, she's because so she's good. an American honey, and Under the Silver Lake, neither of which are on on this bracket. But yeah, she's yeah. very good. And Have you seen the Lodge? Staple. No, I haven't. She's also in yes. Zola, by the way. Oh. I haven't seen the Lodge. She's so good in the lodge. I think that's Neon, which is kind of like yeah. twenty four's yeah. cousin, basically. But um, <laughs> she's she's amazing. <laughs> she 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 needs to be in more stuff. I think the other film in this matchup, I think I'm going to let you guys talk about because I'm just going to show my hand here and say I'm not voting for this movie. I hated it when I watched it. It made me uncomfortable. Uh, and that's Green Room. And there's a there's a scene when Anton Yelchin's arm gets shut in a door. And I was turned off the rest of the movie. So <laughs> I couldn't focus. And I've never gone back to it and I never will. <laughs> Patrick Stewart is a neo-Nazi. I feel like that's the selling point of this movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. And like, yeah, Patrick Stewart's intimidating. And this movie is intense. And it's intense. And I feel like that's what it has going for it. Um, but this is definitely one of those ones where it's just like, I I've watched this once and I definitely mm-hmm. haven't come back to it, but like I appreciate the craft that went into making this a really tense experience. Man, I'm I'm ready for you to not both to not vote for this movie, so I have to defend it a little bit. This is my number Run seven. Island here. Yeah, I'm no way was this gonna move far at all, but this is just a like a foster movie. I I just absolutely mm-hmm. love Green Room. I've seen it a few times actually. Uh, by the way, how weird is it that Patrick Stewart is in this tiny little A24 movie playing in the that It's so bizarre like to see him do anything that's not X-Men or Star Trek, let alone this. Um, he's really good in it, though. Um, so I really, really love, like, if I could pick a specific hyper subgenre, uh, people banding together in a crisis. Like that, mm. that sort of subgenre, uh, you could have like a, a really tame crisis, like something like the breakfast club where the crisis is just attention, or you could have something like 28 days later or any other sort of zombie movie, but like the, the kind of relationships that come about when people have to, um, 
like interact with each other and communicate and collaborate with one another when ordinarily maybe they wouldn't get along perfectly. You know, that sort, mm-hmm. sort of stuff just, oof, I love it. Uh, and yeah, this movie is really, really tense. Um, and the, the arm scene is like the peak of that, I think. Um, also, I'm just a huge fan of Anton Yelchin. Um, there's a really good yeah. documentary called Love Vantosha that I that is all about Anton Yelchin because he, he died a few years ago and just a lot of people talking about him. And ever since that documentary, I like, I went and watched a whole bunch of his movies and I, I think he's just seems like kind of a cool person. Um, and I thought he was really great in this movie actually. So I rewatched Green Room after, after watching that documentary and I was like, yeah, he's doing some interesting things here that I don't think I really appreciated the first time around. So anyways, go ahead, vote against me. Um, I'm voting for Green Room. All right, Shane. It Comes at Night was in my like top 10. So yeah. how Foster feels about Green Room is how I felt about It Comes at Night. So two big forces colliding here. And Robert right in the middle. <laughs> I'm very much in the It Comes at Night camp yeah. in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't love it, I definitely liked it more than Green Room. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the 7 and 10 matchup which is a good one, like a fun little one, which is The Souvenir and The Souvenir Part 2. Um, for sequels that are basically continuations of each other, I think they're very distinct. And I... Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I'm not going to say that yet. Um, I, <laughs> I was going to say which one I preferred, but I'll wait for a, I'll wait a minute. Uh, the Souvenir, the first one, is it's a very intimate portrait of a rough relationship and the reason why this person stays in the relationship, which is almost inexplicable. And that's kind of the way things are sometimes in real life. I was sold that it was going to be like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> this is another one I came to a couple of years late, but it, it wasn't quite that. Uh, it wasn't the I most amazing it. thing ever. No, unfortunately uh, I appreciate what it's doing. I just, I just don't really uh, get down with it. <laughs> I don't know why I said <laughs> don't that. Don't get down with the <laughs> I um I know my feelings for this was um because are we just talking about the first one right now? For now, um, just the first so, one, yeah. So I feel like Tom Burke is such an interesting actor, yeah. and um Anthony, this character is such a piece of like I hated this guy and. Yeah. It, it does capture toxic relationships really well. And I think um, Honor Swinton Byrne and Tilda Swinton are great on screen together too. Yeah. And it's really interesting seeing mother and daughter acting as mother and daughter together in this film. And I think it's a really classily made film. It looks very crisp in yeah. terms of like how it's shot and everything it feels very British. And it, yeah, you know, you're going in and you're watching a two hour train wreck of a relationship. So be prepared because <laughs> that's what this Pretty movie much. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the top letterboxd review or one of the top is like, I've never wanted someone to break up with their boyfriend more than I do mm-hmm. in this movie. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I liked it. I'm not over the moon about it. Um, but I think it has really great performances. Uh, I, I think Tilda Swinton, honestly, is like almost the best actress we have right now. She's like so sneaky, yeah. versatile, you know. 
Um, mm-hmm. She can do anything. Um, and like in this movie, the, this is sort of a random thing to pull from this movie. It's not clearly not about Tilda Swinton, but like she's playing like 10 years older than she actually is. And it's so convincing. Um, I don't know. She's, she's amazing. Uh, I thought Honor Swinton Byrne was great. I thought Tom Burke was great, completely unlikable, but great. Um, right. Like so good that it's going to be hard for me to separate him from this character when I see him again in future things. I've seen him in a couple other tiny roles, but um, I, I'll say like, I think the directing is just really confident. Like, I feel like it's exactly the movie it wants to be. That's the impression I got. I just watched this in the last week, same with part two. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of little moments, like just in the dialogue between the main couple uh, that were just super subtle, but some of them worked really well for me and were really effective and just like little glances across the dinner table, that sort of thing. It just felt so precise. Um, I will say though, it's like almost unbearably high upper class snotty type characters. It's like, it's like just pushes the limit for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's a good movie. Just maybe not completely for me. That, yeah. That's basically how I feel. And it's funny because part two is exactly what I wanted part one to be. And yeah. I really like part two a lot. Um, it's about making art, about making movies specifically. And Joanna Hogg, the director, uh, these both of these movies are semi-autobiographical. Um, and Honor Swinton Burns' characters, her initials are J.H. also. I don't remember the character's last name, but the first name is Julie. Um, so it's very clearly... Uh, semi self insert um and just the ideas about making movies about your own life and uh what a movie can and should be um yeah i think i just think there's a lot of interesting stuff and like you were saying the direction uh carries over into part two it's very confident it's exactly the way it wants to be i just connect a whole lot more to part two than to part one yeah i i I could be wrong about this. I I read this online though. I think it's even more than semi autobiographical. I think like the first movie is almost Joanna Hogg's experience. I, I okay. probably shouldn't say that if I'm not 100% confident, but like that changed my opinion of these movies too for the better. And right. that it's like especially when you watch the second one because there's a lot of meta elements as she's going through her filmmaking process. But uh, yeah, yeah, I loved part two. And it actually, what's so cool about it is it makes part one better because you're like, oh, like this is why part one is necessary in a sense. Like if you don't watch part one and you watch part two, you're not getting the full experience. Mm-hmm. Also, I got to say, I love Richard Ayoade and I love his, yes. his character in part two he's so good and it's cool to see him not be like a, a comedy role he's like legitimately really good too i mean he's he's funny but like um just had to throw his name out there mm-hmm. and this is so hard because it really does feel like one movie like it does just feel like one arc of like well she's in this horrible relationship and now she's pulling herself up out of this this is such an unexpected sequel like yeah, i remember yeah. watching the souvenir and like and here and they're coming out with a part two. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But I waited months and months and months until A24 finally rolled this out on its screener room. I'm like, thank God. And paid that 20 bucks to watch it that night. And I loved it. I think how the first one perfectly captures a decaying and toxic relationship. This perfectly captures someone pulling themselves up out of it and becoming their own person. And I think Honor Swinton Byrne does such a fantastic job in this film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think these films are perfectly directed. And 
I think the supporting cast was really strong too. And, you know, love movies. That's a nice little plus too. It's a good movie about movies. Yeah. Well, my vote is definitely going to be part two. Um, (laughs) Foster. Yeah, same here. Part two. Shane. I was going to vote part one, but they were literally tied on my list for the most Mm. part. And just like either one's great to go with. So the souvenir part two will go on to face uncut gems in the next round. And I meant to mention uncut jams. It comes at night is also going to face everything everywhere all at once. in it's next matchup. I didn't mention that. Um, Oh no. <laughs> Payback, Shane, for, for you two voting me out. <laughs> the next play in number eight, the humans, number nine, 20th century women. Uh, I think the humans is my example of I love this a lot more than everyone else did. Um, you guys had it comes at night and green room, and the, the humans is mine. I just think it's a perfect portrait of what a family is, um, it's brutally honest. And I love that it's brutally honest uh, in this way because not a lot of movies portray families honestly. It's either like families are annoying or families are great. But this like has a lot of different nuances and intricacies. And uh, yeah, I I think I felt like last year I was the only one tooting its horn um, because I, yeah, like I said, I really liked it. I remember when this came out because this came out on Showtime, right? Yep, yeah, like right after Thanksgiving. I, yeah, I I loved this film a lot. And Richard Jenkins should be in every movie. <laughs> I love Richard Jenkins so much. But like this has such an interesting cast. And it's such an interesting adaptation of a play that really utilizes the space cinematically in ways yep. that it's hard to try like I'm imagining how hard this, like, I imagine this being on stage was very much just the people. And somehow, from a cinematic standpoint, they really use the space so perfectly. Yep. And just the dynamics between all these characters. And I felt unnerved by the end. I'm like, because, like, so often now, I don't read synopses, I don't watch trailers and stuff like that a whole lot, unless I'm, like, sitting in a theater. Um, and going into this movie, I didn't know what to expect from this. And I thought this was going to turn into some kind of like horror thing at the end. And I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and it really got me. And I'm just like, I wish this was, <laughs> there was some video. You're losing all of my lovely facial expressions to all this <laughs> stuff on here. Um, it's just like, I was creeped out by the end of this movie. I was not expecting how this played out. But it's such a great human drama, and the family dynamic is really impressive in it. I think the ending is creepingly or creepily loving, and that's kind of what I loved about it. Yeah, this falls right in line with a lot of A twenty four movies, where it's like, is this a an interpersonal family drama or is it a horror movie? Yeah, <laughs> interestingly, they have a lot of those. Um, I also really liked this movie, and I. I did toot this movie's horn a little bit, Robert. I did this. Okay, I'm sorry. Review, I, I gave it a I gave it a very nice review. I think like B plus review, Robert. Um, <laughs> I I thought this was great. I'm I'm not like completely over the moon for it necessarily, but uh, the performances I think are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. My MVP was Jane Howdy Show. Uh, not sure if that's how you pronounce her last name, but like the main female character in this movie, like the matriarch of the family, she was great. 
Um, Richard Jenkins is great. Everyone's great. I thought everyone was so good in this movie. Um, also, the the in the stage play, it's Reed Burney who plays the Richard Jenkins character uh-huh. from Math, which I think we all really liked here. Um, yeah. Which that would have been cool to see. Um, and yeah, has a great final shot. As did Souvenir Part Two, by the way, which we didn't mention. And oh, as yeah, did Saint, as do a lot of movies in A twenty four. They got a lot of great final shots. Um, yeah, I think this is great. Just feels like you're watching real people. I love that stuff. Maybe the title is fitting. Twentieth um, Century <laughs> Women is the other is the other uh, movie in this matchup. And to me, this one, <laughs> I know A twenty four doesn't have an actual brand or like an actual house style, but a lot of A24 movies, you can tell are A24. And to me, 20th Century Woman doesn't necessarily feel like that. Um, I think this one is also good at just showing people being people. And uh, I really appreciate that about it. And it just like treats everyone equally and treats human struggle equally. And uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say about 20th Century Woman. I watched this in the last week as well. I watched a bunch in the last week. Um, I thought Annette Benning was really great. Greta Gerwig and Elle Fanning, right, are the three main. Another fitting title, by the way. These are, in fact, 20th century women. Because <laughs> um, I'm a guy, of course, I appreciate the lens that it's through, like the young right. boy who's experiencing being raised by these women. So, like, for me, there, there is an aspect of that that is really relatable. Um, uh, Billy Crudup is always nice to see. I think he's kind of like a, an underrated actor. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. It, it, I wasn't completely blown away by it, but I did really like it. Um, and I think as far as the Mike Mills movies that I've seen, which is only two out of his three movies, but I, I preferred Come On, Come On a little bit more to this. Shane, I know you like this movie a lot. I'm going to try to not get too emotional talking about this mm. because I remember watching this film and it's hard for me to think of another film that hit me so personally because one of my favorite lines in any movie is when Annette Bening's talking and says, you know my son, how I'll never know my son. Because that dynamic between a mother and a son, and I feel this on a deeply personal level of like, will my mom ever really know who I am? Because... Am I feeling 100% comfortable in being who I am in front of my mom and my parents? Mm -hmm. And this, I remember sitting watching this movie and just feeling like that penetrated me so deeply and hit me so personally. Like, I love this film. I probably watched this film like five times. And the cast is wonderful. I love the storytelling elements of how this all plays out with how they describe like their backs, like the actors are telling us what's going to happen to these characters in the future. But like this, this is something that hit me on such a deep level. And honestly, it might be me that even got this into this bracket to begin with. I think like, (laughs) I'm glad glad I got to talk about it because this is such a deeply personal film for me and made me fall in love with Mike Mills. I went back and watched beginners and I love Come On, Come On as well. And this is definitely a film that I always come back to and hits me on a deeply emotional level. So, surprise, I'm voting this one. Foster, what are you voting? Oh, um, I will say these are like two spaces away on my ranking. So, um, it's not like it's a, a landslide. And 
I don't know. I feel like after that, I'm feeling inspired and I am going to go 20th century women because I do really like it a lot. And also I feel guilty right after you give that really <laughs> nice speech. But I'm, I'm going to do 20th century women because I like it enough that I can feel comfortable putting it forward. Well, I'm going to be heartless on this podcast and say the humans, even though it doesn't it doesn't affect <laughs> what moves take on. Take that, Shane. Yeah, take that. No. Yeah. Uh, I'm not offended. 20th century women moves on. My vote doesn't actually matter, but I wanted to throw it out there anyway. Um, 20th century women will face the Green Knight in its next matchup. Uh, which yeah, leads we're going to have a very different conversation <laughs> next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leads us to 7 and 10. Seven Slow West versus Ten Room. Slow West, I had never even heard of until I was looking at Shane's list that he sent first, uh, hmm. just to see what I should cross off my list before we recorded this. And I think it's a solid little flick. It's like ninety minutes. It's a breeze. Yeah. Uh, uses that time to break down the the macho version of <laughs> of the of the western. Uh, says the damsel in distress isn't necessarily a damsel in distress, and you don't need to go save her. Stop thinking that you're a, a white savior man. Like some things are best left alone. And uh, yeah, it's brutal ending shootout. And Michael Fassbender is great. Cody Smith McPhee should only be in Westerns. Yeah, this is a solid movie. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn too. I love Ben, ben Mendelsohn too. Yes. I, uh, I think this is one of the first things I ever saw him in, honestly, um, mm-hmm. when I watched it. Cause like uh, full disclosure, I do want to say, in general, this was really, really hard to rank a twenty-four movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Because so many of them are so great, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of the times it was arbitrary trying to figure out what I'm going to put above what on my list. But like, I'm such a big fan of westerns, and this is such an interesting take on westerns. And you're right; this is literally an hour and twenty-four minutes, and Michael Fassbender is fantastic in this. He just being anything because yeah. he's just such a great actor ben mendelson is such a great villain just make him the bad guy in like 99 percent of movies except for captain marvel because talos was great um but mm-hmm. like this is such a strikingly visual western does so much in such a short period of time and just basically was like huh, you like old school westerns well mm-hmm. screw you this is yep. what this was probably more like I, I liked this a lot. This was in the past week. Uh, I don't think it's going to have a ton of staying power with me. Um, like I, I've not thought about it much. Um, but yeah, I like the acting is all great. I Ben Mendelsohn is my favorite. He's one of my favorite actors. I just love him. Um, and I thought the shootout at the end was really great. The, the reason I had heard about this movie before doing this was because uh, there's a subreddit called Cine Shots or something where people just post like really nice looking shots from movies. And this was on there. And sometimes that's how I discover movies. I'll just like screenshot it and save it for later. And yeah, this is like a, a surprisingly amazing, amazing looking movie. Like even for A24 standards, it's so, so cool looking. Um, it's got a great style. So I like it a lot for that. Yeah. Uh, room. I, had it at five stars after the first time I saw it. And then I never watched it again. Didn't really think much about it. Uh, but that's another one that I rewatched uh, heading into this. Didn't really love it. Five stars worth again. I put it down at four and a half. Maybe we'll go down to four. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really tore it apart. Um, but it's similar <laughs> to the lobster in that the second half just doesn't work as well as the first half to me. But I like all the ideas about, you know, being a mother, what we value in society, 
uh, the perspective of a child um, and the perspective of someone who has never experienced the world experiencing it for the first time. Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay are both great. And I don't know if it would have worked as well, if not for the two lead performances. Yeah, there's two really great performances. This is one that I've watched once and never have come back to, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to at some point, but like, this is one of those kinds of things where just like, this really lived and died on those two performances for me. Yeah, And like, I get the setup and it's pretty messed up. This is like s- super serious version of Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, <laughs> like, um, but like, <laughs> it's, it's something that it's like, we still think of like Brie Larson is a big star today yeah. really mm-hmm. because of this performance. Jacob Tremblay, kid actor, teenage actor. Now he's keeping going. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really liked this movie. I just haven't seen it in forever. So I don't have fresh thoughts on it. I did think Brie Larson was fantastic. I just remember being really salty because I was rooting for Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn, which yeah. I just, that's one of my favorite performances on the planet earth. And I, I know I, I've heard you mention that movie, Shane. I adore that movie. That's like a top 20 movie of all time um, for me. Uh, so I was, I was salty against this movie, but um, it is, it is a really great movie. Um, that's all I have to say about it. I like both of those. And I like both of those performances. Uh, I just want to say real quick that Brie Larson is great and doesn't deserve any of the hate that she gets. It's just that Captain Marvel, the movie wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what our voting order was in the last round, so I'll just go now. I'm going to say room. Um, yeah. Foster? Yeah, I'm also going room. Slow west, but room wins. <laughs> room moves on to face hereditary. Something tells me that room isn't going to last much longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that takes us out of the... Uh, play in round and now we're in officially into the opening first round and we'll circle all the way back around to the west region and say ex machina the one seed versus saint Maud, the nine seed um not really much else to say about saint Maud unless you guys have thought of something <laughs> in the last 20 minutes or whatever uh ex machina is incredible it's one of my favorite movies of all time it's on my top i don't know 20 25 movies ever i love donald gleason in this i love Oscar Isaac in this. Alicia Vikander is incredible. Sonoya Mizuno doesn't really have a lot to do, but she's even great. It's just like one of those very small movies with a very small cast, but it's got a lot to say, a lot to do, um, and it has Oscar Isaac dancing, so I don't know if there's anything else that you could ask for. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything for me to add here. Like, <laughs> like this, I do have to say, that, like this upset me at the time that this one best visual effects over like Fury Road and stuff mm. like that. But like what they do with an A twenty four budget is incredible. Yeah. Like this is this is how you make special effects driven science fiction on a low budget because you can't even tell. And my God, that dancing scene is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in all the film. Yeah. I just finished rewatching this five minutes before we got on the pod- podcast because I, I knew that it was going to be like one of the front runners for us all. And it had been a few years since I saw it, but it's fantastic. Um, you're stealing all the things I was going to say about it. But yeah, this is like one of the coolest uses of visual effects for such a low budget movie. It is 
it's pristine. There's it's there's it's spotless. There's could not be better. I don't think. Yeah, this is like so interesting in that some of these A twenty four movies, you feel like yeah, they have a low budget, and maybe if they had a higher budget, they could have gone further. But I mm-hmm. actually feel like this movie is exactly the movie it wanted to be, even if it had like a hundred million dollar budget. It's perfect the way it is. Like, it, so I thought that was really great. That was my main takeaway this time around. But yeah, love all the actors, all the story. It's just it's like a great pure science fiction movie uh it's, it's great and yeah are, i think are, are we all voting Xbox? well i i wanted to add real quick that sorry uh, no no it's fine um i'm taking over this podcast <laughs> this is now the foster thoughts podcast um <laughs> alex garland i think is my favorite writer director these days uh he's only directed three movies but i love devs i love x machina i love a lot of stuff that he's written too and I also wanted to mention the score of this movie. Like oh. that little chime theme for Ava is just, mm-hmm. it's perfect. Like it captures the robotic young innocence of, of her character. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's so good. I don't know why I find myself going back to this movie so often, mm-hmm. but I find myself going back a lot. But yeah, I'm definitely voting <laughs> X Machina. 100%. St. Maud, we hardly knew you, but Ex Machina is moving on, which will take us to another Alex Garland movie, The Four Seed Men versus The Five Seed Swiss Army Man. Uh, So somewhat similar titles. (laughs) Um, Interestingly, Men is the reason why I decided to do this podcast in the first place. It's because I wanted to do an A24 bracket, and I said, what's the next A24 movie releasing? And that is Men. Um, So it's a very new movie. We could be pretty vague with what we say because i'm sure a lot of people listening to this have not yet seen it um when i first came out of it i thought whoa <laughs> and when <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's about right and i just kind of had like fuzzy thoughts on it for a bit i didn't really know what the heck i thought about it then it kind of went up in my estimation and it's kind of gone down a bit since then um there's a lot about it and i don't know how deep it is. I think it's trying to be deeper than it is. And mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on men for now. I got to see this a week and a half early or so. Cause I got a good, go to a screening and I felt like I was one of the few people that could actually articulate thoughts on the way out. When the people came up to me, it's like, Oh, pull quotes. And I'm just like, everybody else is just like legitimately the last 30 minutes of this movie is like, what the hell did I just watch? Um, very much this, so this hit like the the two stories going on here the one in flashback hit me like a sledgehammer like holy crap mm-hmm. and it hit me very emotionally and the performance is jesse buckley's one of my favorite actors working today and rory keener uh keener is just i don't think he gets enough credit for how strong of an actor he is. And he gets the show off in this movie because he's playing like eight different people, nine different people. And I think it's a very interesting melding of folk horror and um, commentary on sexism and the generational perpetuation of sexism Mm -hmm. and how we it's hard to unlearn when you're taught bad things and it continuing through generations and this is such a disturbing movie so disturbing 
I do think it goes a little too far. Like, this is definitely a step down for me from um, Ex Machina and Annihilation, which I absolutely love both of those films. But, like, mm-hmm. this is still, like, holy crap, this movie. Yeah, I also really like this movie. I think I'm, like, basically on the same page as you both. Um, great acting. I love Rory Kinnear in this. I think he's so fun. Um, uh, I, I struggle to pick a favorite of the characters he plays, but, I mean... Jeffrey is is great Jeffrey. and is really funny. This is a surprisingly funny movie at parts too. Like like a lot of like, am I supposed to be laughing or am I supposed to be crying? <laughs> um, and uh, the priest character he plays too is so creepy and, and weird. Oh. Um, uh, like just that. What is that haircut, by the way? First of all, <laughs> but um, I mean it, it fits the character, but it's uh, he's so good. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I'll, I'll shut up because I'm wanting to say more, but anything I anything I say is going to spoil, and it's too new. So, yeah, Jeffrey really like is it. a kind of crappy chauvinistic person, but a lot of what he said was very funny to me. Like you said, um, microaggressions. Exactly. Yeah, um, and I wanted to add. I tweeted this the other day. Roy Kinnear. I think he's at the top of my actors playing multiple roles in a horror movie in the last five years list over. Uh, James McAvoy and, and Lupita Nyong'o. It's a short list and it's very niche, but uh, it's ever growing. Swiss Army Man is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of my very favorite uh, A24 movies. Uh, the only notes I wrote down were love it forever, weird, silly, fun, and true. Uh, I, I love the weirdness. I love the performances. I love what it has to say. The weird the weirdness to tell this message in this way uh, works perfectly for me. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. I feel like the this was... I could appreciate a lot of weirdness, and I feel like this wasn't my kind of weirdness. Yeah. And, and this is... I have to give this movie so much credit, though. This concept is insane. And the fact that this is A24 in a nutshell. What mm-hmm. other studio would greenlight yeah. this movie? No one. And I'm glad that they did. And Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe are so farting good corpses. What else can you ask for in this movie? <laughs> and I do need to give this another watch, especially because this is from the Daniels, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I was watching everything everywhere all at once. I'm like, what else did they make? I'm like, wow. <laughs> That makes so much sense. It's right. weird as hell. And I do need to give this another watch because I have seen this once and I'm just like, I'm going to give this a while before I come back to this one. Yeah. So this was, I think, the first one I watched after you said we were going to be doing this bracket. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, it's at my number six right now, I think. Um, Had you seen okay, it before? No, never. Um, oh, I didn't realize. Uh, this was, yeah, first time watch for me like a few weeks ago. Um, I'm a huge fan of Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. Like Harry Potter was my franchise growing up and mm-hmm. seeing him do these like wacky out of the box type roles is so fun. I, I always try and like seek out those those random movies he does. It's 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 cool to see. And I think this is like his best that he's been. Um, I think maybe, so maybe outside Harry Potter. I think he's actually really good in, in like some of the later Harry Potters, like five, especially not that anyone's keeping track <laughs> guys. Don't be weird. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Um, Paul Dano also, I'm a huge fan of, I think he's just the coolest. Um, and I think he's great in this. Honestly, I think Daniel Radcliffe is my favorite performance in the movie, weirdly enough. 
Um, the way they incorporate their voices into the score is really cool too. Um, and this is one like where the themes really do stand out to me. Um, like the, the one thing that I picked up on first, like as I was watching the movie, um, granted I've only seen it once, is basically how Paul Dano's character who's alive and Daniel Radcliffe's character who's dead. Paul Dano is sort of not not really intentionally, but sort of teaching Daniel Radcliffe to have insecurities that we all have. Mm in a sense and I was like wow because like because like Daniel Radcliffe is asking him questions like as if he's like a newborn basically like why don't we do this sort of stuff and then right. Paul Dano's doesn't even really have great reasons for it and it really I found it so thought-provoking I, I love this so much yeah I, I I don't know I'm not really articulating myself too well on it because I only just saw it once and I've, I've watched like 800 other 824 movies in the <laughs> week since but um I'm definitely going to rewatch this one uh yeah yeah, so let's start with you, Foster, for your vote. Swiss Army Man. Shane? Men. I'm going to break the tie and go with Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Saw that one coming. This is not yeah. going your way, Shane. I feel like <laughs> you've been voted out a lot. Hey, it's all good. Well, it was funny because when I sent my list over, <laughs> you literally asked, is this ranked? Yeah. I, was... <laughs> I think what prompted that was seeing Swiss Army Man was in like the bottom three or four or something like that. So, uh, I think we have different perspectives yeah, on it. It, it was, in fact, ranked. <laughs> yes, the list was indeed ranked. Yeah. So, so our next matchup is going to be the two seed, the end of the tour, versus the seven seed, the farewell. Uh, we already discussed the farewell. Um, the end of the tour is one that I watched before I conceived of this podcast idea. Maybe after I conceived of it. Anyway, um, doesn't matter. And during really, conception. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> We're going to move on from that comment. <laughs> and uh, I really, really love the end of the tour. It shot way high up into my A24 rankings. And after another viewing or two, it will probably shoot up into my uh, all time favorite movies rankings. I don't really add stuff into that until I've seen it two or three times. But um, I've kind of been interested in David Foster Wallace for a while just from some of the stuff I've read about him and uh, some of like his interviews I've, I've read and seen. I uh, went out and bought Infinite Jest after watching oh this movie. It's huge. It's, it's about huge. as big as my head, but I'm definitely going to read it. Um, yeah, I, I love the idea of Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel have basically polar opposite ideas on the same, or polar opposite feelings or uh, yeah thoughts on the same idea and they don't neither one is one over to the other side by the end but they're kind of drawn to the middle um and it's not done in like a cheesy schmaltzy way it's done in a really thought-provoking interesting and uh genuine human way and i really really love it this is one of those kinds of films that i watched this on vod with very low expectations and i just heard from festivals that like jason siegel was great in it and this was one of those kinds of films that blew me away. Mm -hmm. And he is, this is, this is why he needs to be in more things. Yeah. He gives such a great performance in this film. And like, I was drawn to him, that character he plays in this so strongly. And, you know, like Jesse Eisenberg is giving really strong performance too, being a little Jesse bit Eisenberg. like Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, this is such a compelling dynamic 
And it just drives this film forward and it's deeply thematic and meaningful and has so much to say about just perspective on life and fame and all different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And this is such a small, intimate film and I absolutely loved it. This was a first time watch for me like a week ago too. I loved it. Um, Jason Siegel is amazing. I, I never have I seen him this good. Uh, I, I would love to see him do more stuff like this. He also just, I mean, you can tell from the way he plays the character, he just strikes me as a really thoughtful person. I went and watched some interviews with yeah. him afterward. I was like, wow, I, like I, I kind of want to be friends with him. Um, I also, I really like Jesse Eisenberg. I'm like kind of a weirdly big Jesse Eisenberg fan. Um, he actually wrote a book, which I read of like short stories, which I thought they were pretty funny. It was, it was like, this was like five years ago, so I don't really remember it. So it's not a ringing endorsement, huh. but um, he's just <laughs> such a quirky, weird guy. Like I love his interviews on Conan too. He's so, he's yeah. so, he, I don't know. He cracks me up. He's got zero range. I feel like when he's acting, but like, he's really good when he's in his lane, I think. Um, and so I really like him and Jason Siegel in this. Um, yeah, but this is like one of those movies where it's just a couple people talking the whole time. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm a big Richard Linklater fan. So like the before yeah. trilogy, that sort of stuff, like when people are just talking about their like hopes, dreams, fears, life, insecurities, all that sort of thing. Love it. Um, and this scratched that itch. So it shot right into the top 10 for me. Nice. So Shane, what is your vote? The farewell or the end of the tour? The end of the tour. Foster? End of the tour. That's going to be a three for three. I'm actually kind of surprised you said end of the tour, Shane, because of how much you uh, were endorsing the farewell. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of those <laughs> in the coming rounds where it's just like, well, never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> I love this movie more. <laughs> That's what's so fun about pitting the stuff that we love against each other. <laughs> just to see the light. There's always going to be eyes. heartbreak. Um, our next matchup is two movies. I'll start with the letters M.I., and that's the three seed Midsommar and the six seed Minari. They're practically Midsommar, the same movie. Exactly the same. There's no difference. Yeah. So we can go ahead and vote. No. Um, Midsommar <laughs> might be my favorite horror movie ever. Uh, Ooh. My, my wife hates it. <laughs> I think she was uh, quietly angry with me for taking her to see it because I'm not even allowed to mention like the final images, like that there's a bear because it just makes her go to like a mental place that she hates. And for that reason, I've seen it twice in theaters and once when she wasn't home. And since then, I haven't found another time to watch it because yeah. like, <laughs> your wife leaves. You just let me sneak this on real quick. Catch a couple of scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just really, really love this movie, even though yeah, it's so dark and so, you know, unsettling. And uh, so light and bright. That's the thing. It's like oh, I love it's, that it's in the daytime. It's a horror movie that I can stand to watch, you know, apart from the opening five or so minutes. Um, I just can't listen to that scream. But other than that, I freaking love this movie. Uh, Ari Aster is amazing. Florence Pugh is amazing. Um, I love Midsommar. The first scene in this movie might be one of the most traumatic experiences I think I've ever had in a movie theater. I was just sitting there like, well, Hereditary was amazing. Let's sit and watch this movie. I'm just like, uh, where Hereditary takes you two thirds of the movie to destroy you emotionally. This takes 10 minutes. Um, it's yep. like, nope, no thank you. This is like between Robert Eggers and Ari Aster and like folk horror. Like, come yeah. on now. This is some next level stuff. 
Like, Midsummer is striking. Like, and I don't take that lightly. Like, this is, when you look at this movie, this is just, like, an assault on your eyes in terms of how bright and colorful and disturbing under all of this is. This is quite a feat, and Florence Pugh is quite the quite the talent, and she's killing it. She's a revelation in this movie. Should have gotten nominated for this instead of Little Women. True. Which was also great, I will say. <laughs> Why not both? Because yeah. she could have gotten yeah. best actress and best supporting actress. Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't seen this since the theaters, but I, I mean, I love it. I have no complaints with it. And honestly, it, it's probably, it would be like one of my top couple A24 movies if I had rewatched it again, which I mm. want to do. It's perfect. It looks amazing. Everyone's amazing in it. Amazing, amazing. Great. <laughs> say, my brother asked for some horror movie recommendations, and now I realize now that my brother loves slasher movies. And not okay. just generally horror movies. Because I recommended this in Suspiria to him. Mm. And, like the new one. And he's just like, what the F <laughs> did you have me watch? I'm like, yeah. you Oops. didn't like it? <laughs> so just had to throw that in there. I've done a tentative recommend of this before. But it was after someone told me that they had already watched Hereditary. And I was like, well, if you like that, then uh, maybe you should try this. But I think I posted like on Facebook or something that I really love this movie. And then my aunt and cousins who I would never assume to watch this movie were like, Hey, you guys, you posted about this and said you liked it. I was like, Oh no, it's not a for everyone recommendation. <laughs> anyway, they said they were traumatized, but it was good. Um, Minari is not traumatizing. <laughs> it's one of the other um, Asian American experiences that I mentioned earlier. It hit me very hard the first time I saw it. And it's still the only time I saw it. I want to watch it again. But what struck me the most is that it's not only about culturally assimilating, it's about um, understanding each other just as people. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's there's so much to there's so much character tension just between like the family, who are all Korean. So Stephen Yun and oh man, I don't know the actress who played his wife. I can look that up when one of you guys is talking, but. Um, their dynamic was great of course the the uh dynamic between the grandmother and the son was great so not only is it a great movie about moving into a different culture and the immense struggles that come with that but it's a movie about um learning to understand each other just as people and i really loved and appreciated that i feel bad because this was definitely one of the victims of the there's way too many great A24 movies Yeah. when I was sitting there and thinking about this, because like, this is a beautiful film with amazing acting. And for some reason, this and Nomad Land, I watched both of them within like weeks of each other and absolutely love them. And then just over the course of the year, they kind of just like dissipated from mm-hmm. my consciousness. And there were just other films that like really stuck there with me that, that year. And I still think this is a beautiful film. I think it's a really significant film and a great act. Like the acting is great in this. And I think it has a great story. It's just, I don't know, something about it just didn't fully stick there with me. Like so many other A24 films have. This is going to be one of those ones where I'm going to happily love it more than everyone else in the world. Uh, I think this is an amazing movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I rewatched this one a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, like 
veering into favorite one of my favorite movies of all time territory here, I think. I also grew up in like a churchy environment, so a lot of this hits home to me, and I feel like I've met this family many times too, mm. so that that certainly helps. Um, I love Stephen Young. I think he's the coolest. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, he's one of my favorite actors lately. Um, uh, he, also in The Humans, by the way, who's kind of yep. quirky and fun in that. Um, and the grandmother, of course, whose name I'm going to butcher, Yoon Yujun, something like that. She's great. She won the Oscar. She's adorable. Um, and Alan Kim in his adorable little cowboy boots, uh, and a supporting actor as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I just really, really love this family. They feel so real to me. Um, this is one where the themes do stand out to me. Um, kind of like what you were saying, Robert, about like recognizing each other as humans. And there's like the conflicting desires between the husband and wife character, as far as what they want and the Mm-hmm. The moving to the new place, yet growing regardless, just like the Minari plant, hey, right? And um, <laughs> uh, so I, I just love this movie. It's one that, like, I spent a lot of time thinking about it after I watched it too. Which that's that's how you know one's gonna stick with you. I think, like, the more right. you think about it after it's done. Um, and uh, as a bonus, I've been listening to this score a ton the past few weeks. I didn't stand out to me at all the first time I watched it, but um, it's Emil Masseri, something like that. Um, he did this in Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's not necessarily catchy, <laughs> but it's it's really kind of moving and amazing music. Um, and that, of course, helps it stay in my brain longer, too, if I'm like actively listening to the mo- the movie's music and therefore thinking about the movie throughout the week. So. Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. The music did stand out to me the first time I saw it, and I've had it in my playlist ever since. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I was I so agree with I that. was sleep deprived when I watched this the first time because it was the last movie I had to see before the Oscars, and so like late the night before, I, this was the last one I watched. So I, I was so I'm happy I gave it a second chance. I liked it the first time; it just didn't didn't stand out to me. Right. Um, the actress who plays the mother, by the way, is Yeri Han. So I wanted to to give her her fair due because she's also great. So um, I'll vote first between Midsommar and Minari. I am going to go with Midsommar. Shane? Midsommar. Yeah, I'm going, I have to go Minari, but it could be Midsommar or Midsommar. Sorry. If I, if I were to rewatch it again, but yeah, it's Minari for me. The only reason I say it like that is because I've heard Ari Aster himself in interview I know, say it. I know. I just yeah. feel so pretentious when I do it. Like, especially because most people don't know that and most people don't listen to Ari Aster interviews. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of the marketing and I heard like people like Midsummer, and I'm like... Well, they say wow. that in the movie. One of the, the Hargas says Happy Midsummer," so it, it's understandable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that will be the end of part one of this A24 Bracket check back early next week for part two. In the meantime, you can find all our socials and important links in the show notes.